0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Follow Your Beauty, a video podcast where every segment is a journey for a younger looking you. Hi, I'm Dr. John Mendelson, Medical Director of the Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center, and I'd like to welcome you to our show. It's an eye-opening show. We have several guests in the house here. We're gonna be talking about blepharoplasty or upper eyelid surgery. Uh, Some people say easier done than said. I've heard that before. (laughs) Um, But before we do that, I'd also like to welcome a new segment. Uh, We're gonna stay tuned a little bit later for Julie's segment. She's gonna talk about what's in and out in plastic surgery. Uh, Later, Karen Whitney, one of the nation's top injectors will also be available to talk about some of the Studio A rewards. So what I'd like to do, I'd get right to it here, if you turn around, this was taken back, well, we can talk a little bit about our relationship, but this was taken back around 2016, October, prior to the surgery that you had done, and um, if you don't mind, could you talk a little bit about what uh, what you were thinking and um, what, what led you to undergoing upper blepharoplasty?
1: Absolutely. Um mainly for my entire life my eyes would have always been my best feature. And um it was almost like I had lost my eyelashes. Like there was so much skin hanging over that it made them disappear. And it bothered me a lot because when your best feature is your eyes <laughs> and they're no longer looking good. Um, and that close up, I'm seeing a lot of other areas that need some attention. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you do see, and for our listeners and viewers,
0: uh, we're, we're, we're looking at a, a photo where um, Sherry's eyelids are fairly heavy. Um, we see this as time goes on. There are two main things that occur. One is uh, loss of volume, and the other is loss of elasticity, and her eyelashes are sort of peeking out underneath her, uh, her heavy skin. So, um, in fact, I think that we have uh, a clip of some comments that you made uh, prior to having this done.
1: I put on my makeup with a magnifying mirror, and there are mornings when that can be pretty scary. And since I've had this done, it's, it's like a whole different, my eyes are totally... They're like they used to look 15 years ago.
0: Seeing as though this video podcast is um, about plastic surgery and seeing as I'm a facial plastic surgeon, we're going to spend a little bit of time throughout this series talking about facial plastic surgery. So just to kick things off, I would like for our listeners and viewers just to understand how we do a facial analysis. And very simply, if we take the area from our uh, hairline, which you don't see real well in the photo, our hairline to our eyebrows, our eyebrows to the base of our nose and the base of our nose to to our chin, that should roughly be about one-third of our face, both in height and in projection. So clearly what we're doing is we're talking about procedures today that address the upper third of the face. There are two main anatomical areas that we look at in the upper part of the face. One is the eyebrow and the other is the eyelid. And today, we're going to be talking about the eyelid. In another segment, we'll talk a little bit about eyebrows, OK? Um, and as uh, Sherry has already talked about, we can see some signs of looking uh, less refreshed. And uh, apparently, this is what led you to, uh, to this procedure. Okay. So, OK, so it's your turn here, Angie. Tell me a little bit about what, um, what you were thinking and seeing at the time.
2: Um, I didn't feel like I had that heaviness, but I definitely lost the elasticity. And um, I would, this sounds crazy, but I would, like, pull on it and it would stay. <laughs> and then I couldn't quit doing that when I was doing my makeup. I'd be like, oh. Um, so that was probably my biggest thing. And, you know, as you were saying, refreshed. It got to the point where everybody you know, would always go, are you okay? You look so tired. And I would always be like, oh, no, I'm fine. Um, So I really wanted to do it. And it was kind of surprising for me because when I was younger and had a lot of clients come in that had surgery, I always thought, oh, I would just not do that. But that's easy to say when you've got a 20-year-old face, you know. Um, But as it started happening, um, I definitely just felt like just that extra skin was starting to really bother me.
0: Right. So that's uh, obviously very common. I don't know how many people are playing with their upper eyelids, but uh but yeah, I, I, a little I, weird that way. But I, like, I, I, it I happened
2: I was like, Oh wow, that's weird.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I hope you had fun doing that. But um <laughs> But And that's secondary to the loss of elasticity. So okay. both of you and all of us have different anatomy. And so you'll, you'll see throughout this process that it may be the same procedure that we're applying, but mm-hmm. for different reasons and, and different outcomes. What I'd like to do, um, well, first of all, let's hear a little bit about what, uh, what you had to say at the time. And we'll uh, show this video.
2: I think when I started to really become conscious of my skin, my eyes, all of that, we actually went, I went to a reunion with a friend of mine. And when we walked in, and I said to her, I was like joking, but I wasn't, wow, why are we the only two that still look good? And we were both laughing because we were like, it's expensive skincare. Well, it really seemed like only six months after that, I just started looking at it like, I'm not seeing the same results. But my eyes, I felt like over the last year, they just almost just dropped, you know? And I just felt, I didn't feel like I looked as good as I could.
0: So what I'd like to do is find the solution for these problems, and the solution, as you know, is this eyelid rejuvenation, this upper blepharoplasty. And I'm going to take a few minutes here to show the procedure that you had done. I'm not sure you guys have seen this. I know you've yes. gone through it, but I don't think you saw it. So. I want to talk briefly about this. Upper blepharoplasty is performed under local anesthesia. That means you come in, we uh, will give you a little cocktail, a little Valium, or some other medication to help you relax. What I'm doing here is our natural eyelid crease is typically about 8 to 12 millimeters from our eyelash margin, usually around 10 millimeters in women. If one is at 10 and the other is at 9, we'll make them both 9 and a half, so we'll even those out. What I'm doing with a little forceps then is measuring the amount of redundant or extra eyelid skin very carefully. And as you recall, this takes a few minutes, and this is really the key to the procedure, making sure that we get the markings right. What's important also to notice is that I'm not measuring the skin that's right beneath the eyebrow. Okay, and, uh, uh, you know, Sherry, for you particularly, we don't want to think that we're helping you by removing the eyebrow skin. We would drop the eyebrow and leave you with the inability to open your eyes. So those aren't good things. No. <laughs> so measuring and marking is uh, important. And uh, as we do this, it's a little bit different from men to women. But as, once we mark it, we will localize it. And local, localization simply means we're going to numb it up just like you would a little um, uh, mole, a little skin cancer. See the way the tissue is blanched afterward? It looks sort of white. That's from the epinephrine in the solution. The epinephrine in the solution is responsible for constricting, what we call vasoconstricting the tissues. Why do we do that? We do that so you don't have any bleeding. And let me just warn our viewers. This is a little bit graphic. We are showing the uh, the incision here. But once things are localized well, we'll come back. We'll make our incision. And as long as I can color between the lines or stay within the lines here, we should be good. Um, so we will excise that tissue. That means we'll remove it. And in a moment here, you'll see the first layer that we're going to see is a muscle. It, it will look pink here in the video. It's called the abicularis. It's a muscle that uh, helps us close our eye. And uh, this little instrument here is a cautery. Just uh, You can see very little bleeding, but that's what we use that for. So we'll take a strip of the abicularis. And what we're going to expose beneath it is a white fibrous layer we call the orbital septum. And it's just a partition. And um, you can see inside, just beneath the orbital septum, that yellowish tissue. What do you think that is? A little bit of fat. So we all have very several pockets of fat. Sometimes they're removed. Sometimes they're contoured. In this situation, then, we're going to expose that fat. We're going to pierce the orbital septum, tease wow. that yellowish fat out, and then typically what we'll do is we'll localize that area as well, not because the patient feels it so much, but because we want that epinephrine, making sure that there's no bleeding.
2: Yeah. Well, and look, you can tell it; you're not feeling anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my,
0: well, you, you can see she's talking throughout this whole thing. <laughs> right. So uh, there you go. And I don't know if you guys were talking. I can't recall. I uh, ma- maybe, a just a, maybe just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> So, uh, so we'll trim that fat, we'll sculpt that. And then, uh, all we do is we close it. So this is called a running subcuticular suture. And all that means is that it's like a zipper. It's going to be underneath the skin. You can see back and forth between the upper and the lower part of the incision. And we simply stitch that or suture that back together. Uh, about six days later, as you know, you come back, we'll clip that little knot out and just slide the suture out. So tell me, what, what do you guys, uh, recall f- during your surgery?
2: Okay, I recall a couple things. I was um, honestly shocked that I felt like I was at a spa and considering that's what we do for a living. um, You just don't think that you're gonna go and get a procedure and feel like you're being pampered, but we did. Um, We totally felt like we were pampered. I couldn't believe how fast it went um, and how just relaxed we were. I think we had done enough consulting and talking with you that um, we felt just really comfortable and um, the fear wasn't there anymore by the time we got here, um, but yeah, I couldn't believe how quick it went. I can't believe how the recovery was to me next to nothing, um, and even the way that we looked afterwards. Like I, you know, um, you know, you think of like having bruising and swelling and all of that, and that was very, very minimal. So it was, it was a great experience.
1: I love watching this. Um, uh-huh. It's so fascinating. And when I was actually having it done, uh, we were talking about restaurants and um, <laughs> movies and music. And um, I the only thing that was a little bit creepy was the hearing the scissors, the sound, the right? sound of the scissors. I couldn't really feel it or, you know, a light little uh, pull or tugging. But the sound of the scissors was um, what I remember the most because it was the only thing that made me aware of what was really happening right
2: i remember that it was like that click and i yeah. was like wait a minute <laughs> i don't know what i thought you would be using <laughs> but for some reason i didn't think scissors but yeah
0: <laughs> got it well well thank you yeah we tried to turn the music up loud enough so maybe you don't hear that but uh but it is pretty close so uh what we're looking at here is uh one of the before and afters the before on the left the after on the right and um you know you just have your eyelashes now you can see they're uh, they're they're back so just yeah. yep as you say Um, Same thing here. Big smile. This is what we call a three-quarter view, and uh, you can see you've got an an eyelid there. Some of the heaviness, though, Sherry, in your eye is is from the brow ptosis or drooping, and again, you know, we'll talk about that down the road, but uh, your eye certainly looks brighter here. Oh, yeah.
2: And see, I could put my eyeliner back on. You do. As as your face starts to change the things that you like to do with your makeup, you just are like, that doesn't look good anymore. And so I was excited to get my eyeliner back out. Are you still pulling
0: on your lids? No. (laughs) Chasing
1: the wand.
2: Um, It actually was a fun way to mess with my children, quite honestly.
1: (laughs)
0: Well, um, thank you guys very much for, uh, for sharing this. I, I certainly hope that, um, that you'll, you'll be back for some more segments. If you could stay tuned with us, what we'd like to do is we'd like to go to our friend Julie, who has some information about uh, what's newsworthy in plastic surgery.
3: From Tracy Ellis Ross's new way to keep the wrinkles at bay to how dads are finally bringing home a new six-pack. In today's what's it, what's out, what's hot, and what's definitely Ooh, not wow. in the world of plastic surgery, I'm your guide, Julie Whitney. Get ready as we tour the world and search the headlines to help you become a younger you. Actress Tracy Ellis Ross, star of the hit TV show, Blackish, has recently revealed to Shape Magazine the unique beauty tool she uses to keep her skin tight and cute. The secret? Are you ready for this one? blue balls. Okay, get your minds out of the gutter, folks. It's not what you're thinking. She actually freezes these balls, as seen in the photo, and rolls them over her forehead, cheeks, and neck for two to six minutes to help reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. Apparently, Cindy Crawford and Jessica Alba are also using the little blue balls, Personally, I think holding an ice-filled baggie over the skin would probably have the same temporary effect, and a bit of microneedling with radio frequency or PRP would be a lot more effective in the long term. The team at Studio A Advanced are extremely skilled at microneedling. And attention all men, the dad bod is on the way out. According to Fox News, men in New York City are getting daddy do-over plastic surgery to look good both at work and on the beach. The procedures typically include liposuction of the chest, abs, and flanks or side body. And it's doubtful that drinking the new dad bod beer is going to help much. The label on this double IPA with an 8.5% ABV features a belly pouch, little hairs on the label, and a remote control in the pocket. The uptick in male plastic surgery such as the daddy do-over is not surprising. As the American Society of Plastic Surgeons reports that more than 1.3 million cosmetic procedures were performed on men in 2018, an increase of 29% since 2000. According to the report, the most popular procedures for men were Botox and fillers, breast augmentation, liposuction, tummy tucks, nose jobs, and eyelid surgery. And speaking of eyelid surgery, my husband, Dan, recently had a blepharoplasty on both his upper and lower eyelids. He's a corporate pilot and wanted to look less tired and more youthful and refreshed when flying the executives across the country. He was amazed at how easy it was, how minimal downtime was involved with the procedure. He had it done on a Thursday and was flying again on Monday. Since he wears sunglasses in the cockpit, it was not a big deal, as his sutures and small bit of swelling and bruising were easily hidden. Check out his before and after photos. And in a recent New York Post article, Dr. Alan Matarasso, president of the ASPS, is quoted as saying that he's seen an uptick in eye bag and net fat concerns by male patients in recent years. According to Matarasso, it's not just about the man in advertising or fashion. It's the lawyer who's uncomfortable putting on a shirt or the businessman who hates wearing a tie because of what it does to his neck. Tightening a droopy neck is a bit different for a man than for a woman due to the fact that men have thicker skin and more blood vessels in the area which leads to a higher volume of fat. Two good treatment options are liposuction or a newer treatment called Kybella, which is a series of injections that reduces under chin fat in just three treatments. Both lipo and Kybella can be done in the office as an outpatient procedure. The result is that men who didn't have a jawline suddenly have one again. Just call it the year of jaws. That's it for today's news in plastic surgery. You can see more of my plastic surgery journey and also follow your beauty by going to 351face.com. Why not sign up for a younger you today?
0: We are back, but before we go, let's go to Karen Whitney, who will share with us a little more about the Studio A Rewards.
3: Hello, I'm Karen Whitney. I'm excited to give you a sneak peak of Studio A brought to you by Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center. The Studio A staff have performed thousands of injectable procedures such as Botox and fillers. And as a national leader in injectables, I know how important it is to provide you with the best care so you can look your best. You're probably aware and may have already used Botox as over 1.5 billion injections were performed just last year. To learn more about Botox and other treatments, just go to 351face.com or call us at 351-3223.
0: That's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please go to 351face.com, follow your beauty for more podcast episodes. You will also learn more about the Studio A reward savings and or if you'd like to simply sign up and log in, Schedule an online consultation or a complimentary consultation in our uh, practice, and our team will be happy to help you with a personalized treatment plan. We hope you tune in next time for another episode of Follow Your Beauty live from Studio A here at Advanced Cosmetic Surgery and Laser Center.